This is CBSI in the world. I'm John Batchelor. Ukraine conflict spinning into NATO versus the Russian Federation, spinning into the Russian Federation and the People's Republic of China against planet Earth, especially those nations allied with the U.S. and our allies. However, uh, Gordon Chang, at Gordon G. Chang, and I turned to Rick Fisher of the International Assessment and Strategy Center because it's time to look at the capability of our adversaries, Beijing and Moscow, at sea. The U.S. Navy is unchallenged in quality and success in range. However, there are missiles that are a threat, especially to the carrier strike groups. Rick, China, what does it have to kill a carrier, kill Guam, and what does Russia have to kill a carrier? Good evening to you. Good evening, John. Good evening, Gordon. Uh, for 30 years, essentially, China has been building up to kill American aircraft carriers. I can list at least 10 categories of weapons from long-range torpedoes, wake-homing torpedoes, torpedo-launched cruise missiles, ship-launched cruise missiles, ship-launched ballistic missiles, aircraft-launched cruise missiles, ground-launched cruise missiles, ground-launched ballistic missiles, and then air-launched cruise missiles and ballistic missiles. That's 10 categories. I've also, just off the cuff, uh, listed at least 21 separate weapons in those 10 categories that China has today to target American aircraft carriers. Some of these systems are relatively uh, short range. I mean, a, a torpedo, maybe 30, 40 kilometers, all the way to an air-launched ballistic missile with a 2,000-plus kilometer range or the ground-launched uh, Dongfeng-26, which has at least uh, a 5,000-kilometer uh, range. Uh, now, the long-range missiles, particularly the Dongfeng-26 and many of the air-launched long-range missiles, the air-launched ballistic missile, uh, uh, ground attack, long-range cruise missiles, can be used to attack the critical American bases on Guam. Now, the Russians also have a wider range of uh, weapons with which to target carriers. And They've been working on the targeting of carriers much longer. Their effort goes back to the 1950s. And uh, they have uh, the, the, one of the original wake-homing torpedo systems. Uh, they have uh, submarine-launched cruise missiles, uh, uh, ship-launched cruise missiles, uh, ground-launched uh, ballistic missiles, maybe not. But uh, air-launched uh, supersonic and subsonic cruise missiles, yes, definitely, for sure. And uh, they are also working on a ship-launched hypersonic anti-ship system. Gordon, you have a question for Rick. Rick, it sounds like that the range of China's anti-carrier weapons is longer than the range of the carrier's weapons that would target China. Is that correct? Well, it's definitely the case in terms of the ground-launched uh, ballistic missiles that China as equipped with uh, an anti-carrier warhead. Uh, the United States Navy would have to uh, rely on uh, multiple aerial refuelings in order for current F-18 and F-35 attack aircraft to be able to launch uh, uh, cruise missiles from uh, an adequate range outside of uh, Chinese air defense systems, which are very thick and very effective. Rick, the... 
Attention to the Navy these days is about bigger ships, such as the Gerald Ford, or smaller ships, even smaller carriers. One of the defenses used by those who believe in the supercarriers is that they'll be hard to find. Is that an accurate picture of the capabilities of China and Russia, given their, given their near-Earth satellites? Well, John, yes. I, I am sure that the United States Navy has invested heavily in uh, uh, all manner of electronic masking and camouflage to help break the kill chain for these very long-range anti-ship missiles, especially the anti-ship ballistic missiles. However, we must never forget that during World War II, the United States also invested heavily in the defense of its aircraft carriers, but still lost 12 of them. Today, the United States Navy only has 11 of its large nuclear-powered supercarriers. I come down squarely on the side of those who argue that we must build additional carriers, smaller carriers. I have advocated for some time that the United States take its uh, LHA, Landing Helicopter Assault Carrier, that uh, we've turned into F-35 Bravo, F-35B Lightning uh, Carriers. They can only carry about 20 of those carry, uh, aircraft, but if we took that ship, added several thousand pounds and stuffed it with about 150 vertical launch missile systems, we could turn the LHA into a very effective, uh, at least uh, sea denial weapon that would truly uh, get the attention of the Chinese and the Russians. Gordon? Rick, um, the U.S. Navy's is their count of their large hulls is decreasing. China's building ships at a very fast pace. You know, even if we had better technology, um, it seems to me that this is a race where quantity may actually determine the resolution of a war. Um, what are your views? Well, there, there are many levels of uh, quantity, Gordon. Uh, certainly, yes, the number of hulls uh, can uh, be very determinant. But we should also look at the number of vertical launch missile systems, VLS systems, that uh, the respective navies are able to deploy. Currently, the United States uh, deploys a far larger number of vertical launch missile systems, uh, vertical launch missile launchers than does China. But the Chinese are also catching up quickly. When they, they've already put into production a cruiser size uh, combatant that can carry uh, 112 uh, uh, VLS systems. They're starting to churn these cruisers out in, in larger and larger numbers, and so they'll be catching up to the United States in terms of VLS systems. So it is really well past, it's long overdue for the United States to be stuffing vertical launch missile systems on many types of uh, ships, to include amphibious assault ships uh, and uh, oilers, uh, and other logistic support ships. Right now, Rick, we ha we are engaged in a conflict in Europe, uh, what appears to be a land war, although there's certainly a naval component to it, the Black Sea Basin, the attacks on the coastline. The Pacific is another entirely understanding of conflict. To your understanding right now, is China and Russia, do China and Russia together have the naval assets in the Pacific to confront and provoke the U.S. Navy? 
In terms of uh, submarines, uh, yes, they do, John. Uh, the uh, the Chinese Navy has uh, close to 50 conventional submarines, uh, uh, about uh, eight, eight, eight or so nuclear attack submarines. They're, they're working on increasing that number. And uh, the Russians also maintain a healthy number of uh, uh, conventional and nuclear attack submarines for the Pacific Fleet. If they were to operate together, which I expect that they will do in some kind of coordination, uh, the Russians could attack American forces near Alaska, uh, off of uh, Washington State, and the Chinese forces could surround Taiwan, uh, surround uh, Okinawa, and uh, make it very difficult. Both would make it then very difficult to deploy forces and sustain forces in support of, let's say, a war to defend Taiwan. Gordon, final question. Does Beijing entertain working alongside Moscow? Is that a capability that they've, that they've demonstrated? We have 30 seconds. They've been practicing their two militaries joint drills since 2005. And last August, Chinese soldiers were actually using Chinese weapons. Russian soldiers were using Chinese weapons, showing interoperability. Yes, these two militaries are working together. Gordon Chang at Gordon G. Chang, Rick Fisher of the International Assessment and Strategy Center. And yes, we're entertaining the impossible, the unimaginable. A world war engaging the U.S. Navy with the Russian and Chinese Navy. But then again, February 24th was impossible until it happened. I'm John Batchelor. You're listening to CBS Eye on the World with John Batchelor. Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. One of my favorite people, Julie Kelly, is on. She's a columnist for American Greatness, a terrific website. I'm honored to be published there each week. She's author of a very important book, January 6th, How Democrats Used the Capitol Protest to Launch a War on Terror Against the Political Right. Boy, is that ever true. That's not our subject. I just wanted you to know the book she wrote. Julie Kelly is uh, is on, and our subject is the Michigan Governor Gretchen Gretchen Whitmer alleged kidnapping and even killing trial. <laughs> Julie, you you should get some prize for living in the make believe world of the left. Well, you should do, right? Yeah, well, now that you mention it, yeah. Although you do more research uh, on these issues and y- you you immerse yourself. Uh, I I hope you have a fun life otherwise. <laughs> I'm I'm a little worried about you. <laughs> I have a very fun life. Otherwise, thank God. I have a fun family and fun friends that uh, I can sort of escape to. And, uh, right. Right. Well, my nonstop obsession about this corrupt Justice Department and FBI. That's right. This corrupt Justice Department and FBI. Okay. So most people, I suspect, know very little about the Whitmer case for whatever reason. So give us an outline, in outline form, what we're talking about. What we're talking about, basically, Dennis, is this was the FBI's 2020 version of Crossfire Hurricane. 
it was another attempt for the FBI to interfere in the presidential election, sabotage Donald Trump and help the Democratic nominee for president, Joe Biden, because, of course, these arrests and the shocking plot was announced in early October of 2020, as millions of Americans were early voting uh, for president. This led to all sorts of wall-to-wall headlines. Joe Biden and Gretchen Whitmer blamed Donald Trump for these alleged right-wing militiamen who plotted for months to abduct her from her upstate Michigan vacation cottage and put her on trial or possibly kill her by abandoning her in the middle of Lake Michigan in October, which, okay, that's funny to begin with. But as the uh, case unfolded and the defense attorneys, who are public defenders and court-appointed attorneys, just fabulous lawyers, built a very compelling case of FBI entrapment that included at least a dozen undercover agents and informants who were deeply embedded and really concocted, executed, and paid for this plot to lure innocent men into it. Wow. Mm-hmm. So how many people were involved? <clears throat> well, there were at least a dozen undercover agents and informants. It was run, Dennis, out of multiple FBI field offices across the country, all the way from Baltimore through Tennessee, up to Michigan and Wisconsin. This was a multi-state, multi-layered operation. Um, So it wasn't just a few rogue agents who were trying to set up a few misfits in Michigan. Um, This began in March of 2020 under the ruse of lockdown protests. It includes a lot of similarities to January 6th. I actually write about the Whitmer plot in my book because there are so many comparisons not the least of which the man who was head of the Detroit FBI field office, the main office involved, was moved to the D.C. FBI field office in the middle of October 2020, several weeks before the events of January 6th. Lots of similarities there. Why was he moved? Good question. It was a big promotion because it was, you know, job accomplished. And, of course, this is sort of a continuation of so, what he did in Whitmer. To the extent that it's possible to unravel... Do you believe that the idea came up, arose from the FBI or arose from others and then the FBI took over? It absolutely came from the FBI, and that's why you had a 12-person jury in western Michigan, um, did not hand down a single conviction, even though they had testimony from numerous FBI agents, the lead informant and experts, they did not believe the FBI. They did not believe the other two defendants who pleaded guilty. They did not believe the main informant. This was a total humiliation for the Justice Department because the defense solely rested. Their sole argument was that their clients had been set up and entrapped by the FBI. That is what this jury believed. All right, hold it there. This is... This is what we're facing People talk about Ukraine as corrupt. I don't think they're any more corrupt than our institutions. It's truck month at National Buick GMC. Colby Hansen, hunting season on deck. Be the champion of the mountain and put your trophy buck in one of our trucks. 
We've got over 250 certified trucks. HDs, we carry hundreds. Fiera's largest selection in the state. Even the rare AT4. Hashtag Raptor Killer. Be the champion of the mountain. Lifted trucks is what we do. Come get your trophy truck at nationalbuickgmc.com. We are professional grade in American Fork. Speaking to Julie Kelly, columnist for American Greatness, americangreatness.com, about the Governor Whitmer alleged plot to kidnap her and kill her. And not a single defendant, 18 months later, was found guilty. And it is obvious that it was concocted largely by the FBI. There's so much to ask you, but I want to just get more details from you. There were, as reading your article, it seems there were six defendants. Is that correct? There were originally six uh, federal defendants charged with conspiracy to kidnap and also possession of a weapon of mass destruction. Those were the main charges. What was the weapon of mass destruction? Um, Some sort of explosive device. It sounded like a firecracker with some pennies wrapped around it. That was um, also part of an FBI sting. They brought in an undercover agent who pretended to be an explosives expert. And he showed the men a video of how he could blow things up. The video was produced by the FBI. Um, And so, of course, that did not convince the jury of their guilt either. In your opinion, who concocted the plot? Well, this is who we have to, this is what we have to find out. And I'll have a column up tomorrow with a list of people who need to answer questions about this. It would start with former Attorney General William Barr, who was the Attorney General at the time. You had an FBI agent, a few FBI agents, who testified that this operation had to be approved at the highest levels of the U.S. Department of Justice and the FBI. So that would include William Barr, and it would include Christopher Ray. What did they know? When did they know it? Who approved it? And who was pulling all the strings? The other person we have to hear from, of course, is Stephen D'Antuono, the man I just told you about, who was promoted after successfully announcing these arrests or being part of this operation, moved to the D.C. FBI field office. Not only what did he know how did he handle these informants, including one convicted felon who committed two crimes while he was working on this paper? I mean, Dennis, if you were the greatest fiction writer in the world, you could not make up what happened in this paper. It is just mind-blowing. When I was covering the trial live, sometimes I would find myself laughing because you cannot believe that our government actually does these things. Furthermore, employs these low-life FBI agents and informants and pays them cash to do things to set up innocent Americans to promote this political narrative that's beneficial for the Democratic Party. That right. is exactly so, what happened here, and that's what's going to continue to happen no, if someone no, isn't held of, of course. So there are so many questions I have, you, and, and you keep interrupting them with other important points. <laughs> <laughs> so I... I William Barr, do you do you think he he knew what was going on? I just don't know, Dennis, how he could not know. As I said, this involved numerous FBI field offices with approval at the top of the FBI. 
Um, there was something going on at the time called Operation Cold Snap. We know the FBI was surveilling chatter on social media platforms. That's actually how this whole hoax came together. And so how could Bill Barr not know about this? Um, it, like I said, it wasn't just some rogue agent out of some weird field office in the middle of Michigan. Uh, this involved this involved drones. This involved the use of airplanes. Right. So, okay, I, I don't want to. I hate naivete in adults. So I, I'm risking sounding naive. Whatever one thinks about Bill Barr, uh, it, it is hard to imagine he would support a, a gigantic fabrication. So is it just conceivable, FBI people said to him, hey, we, we have six people who are plotting to kidnap and maybe kill the governor of Michigan. And then he'd say, oh, you better look into it. Does that sound plausible to you? It does. It certainly does. I mean, I was a big fan of Bill Barr. Until yes, exactly. I, I, you know, it, it's like one's read of the universe uh, becomes uh, suspect. Uh, if Bill Barr said, you know, hey, this is really important to help concoct the plot and use the FBI uh, as people uh, involved in this. So how did they get these six people? I mean, they didn't contact me or anybody I know to kidnap uh, uh, Gretchen Whitmer. So how did they get these six people involved? Well, one man, Barry Koff Jr., has been under FBI surveillance since 2019 for, get this, making anti-government and anti-law enforcement comments on social media and on a YouTube account. Um, the other men were stitched together based on um, comments that they were making on Facebook, on this Wolverine. Uh, Wolverine uh, okay. And then they were approached by the FBI, who, who obviously not as FBI, but as they were approached as, hey, we can help you. Well, they were approached as undercover informants, the main informant, Dan Chappell, the one who made $60,000 at least. Um, he sort of became one of the leaders of this Wolverine Watchmen group. He portrayed himself as a militia member. A yes, leader. that's what I'm saying. Right. So we, right. we can help you make this possible. Now, uh, there were uh, two or three people released from prison as a result of these verdicts, Correct. Correct. So you had six federal defendants. Two of the young men pleaded guilty in exchange for leniency and their testimony in trial that backfired on them, uh, unfortunately for them. Um, two other men were outright acquitted and released to prison tonight, spending a year and a half in yeah, jail. Yeah, why were they a year and a half in jail? Under pretrial detention. Look, the DOJ described this as a domestic terror investigation. They describe this as one of the biggest domestic terror investigations in recent history. So these men were considered domestic terrorists. So they were in jail for a year and a half. The other two men that um, the jury came back with a, 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 an undecided verdict. So a hung jury basically on the other two men. Who were going to be retried, jail. correct? They sure are. Can you believe that, Dennis? After this humiliating Frankly, I believe I believe anything. Please read her piece in American Greatness, and please read her book on January 6th. Julie Kelly, thank you. The left has truly decimated every institution, FBI, CIA, State Department, 
Christianity, Judaism, you, you, you name it. And, uh, and it's been, not to mention the schools, it's really just a force of destruction, the left. It builds nothing. The corruption of the FBI is, is actually so deep that it, you wonder if it can actually be undone within a generation. I mean, it, it may take generations. They pulled this October surprise so to make sure that Democrats get elected. They concoct a plot. They concocted it to kidnap and kill Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan. And Joe Biden, who makes Donald Trump look honest, and I believe that with every fiber in my body, Joe Biden is a pathological liar. He's the most corrupt president in American history. I never said that about any Democrat that I have lived through in my life. I didn't care for Bill Clinton. I didn't care for Barack Obama. Actually, I didn't even come out for the impeachment of Bill Clinton. Just for the record, I I suspect my shows are still recorded somewhere. Joe Biden is corrupt. He will say anything to further his ambitions. He is a lifelong politician who has no value system. He goes wherever the wind blows. And he just spoke about how this was an example of domestic terror. The whole, the whole thing about white supremacy in the U.S. is wildly exaggerated to the extent that it could be called a lie. Of course there are white supremacists. There's everything. There are witches in the country, and I'm not comparing them. I'm just saying there are these idiosyncratic outliers Of course, every society has them, but it's not a threat to the country. More Jews were beaten in New York this past week. I mean, really beaten. And uh, I I have not found a single instance of any of the Jews. Jews are, are, are proportionately the most attacked group in the United States. But it turns out that their attackers are very rarely white supremacists. They're almost always blacks. Did you know that? Of course he didn't know it. Who's going to report it? The lying New York Times? The lying Washington Post? The lying Democratic Party? We'll be back. Okay. Uh, ben Harnwell. I'm going to hold Ben Harnwell for a second. He's at the Vatican, but I want to take some time on that. And I, I, I've got to get Julie Kelly in here because she was working on yesterday and we had her on the show an incredible article that's up in American greatness. So I want to make sure Captain Ben and the entire social media team puts that out in all the different forums and chat rooms right now. So people can see it. Uh, Julie Kelly, walk us through this article about who knew what, when, and who should be held accountable for this Michigan. Cause Michigan is so central to the issues we have. And we just had Robbie De Niro here uh, on the show, a guy that runs a, um, uh, a thing called Athletes Unleashed. It's a you know workout facility, a fitness facility. They try to shut him down. He's fighting now for at the school board level. You got Jenny Beth Martin with all the Tea Party Patriots. Uh, at every level, 
whether it's parents at school boards, it's people coming election mm-hmm. officials, it's it's the precinct strategy, they're all domestic terrorists. The number one, DHS mm-hmm. continues to says the number one problem in our world, the number one problem in the world facing the United States of America, I want everybody to embrace this, is you in this audience, that you're mm-hmm. engaged at a level and that you're a domestic terrorist. And they try to run this scam and now the, the Garland, they were trying to run away from it. That's why this Michigan situation, where they were totally exposed on what they tried to do in October 2020, at the same moment that they're taking Hunter's uh, laptop from hell, which they've had for almost a year, and lying about it and suppressing it, they're at whole cloth making up a story. Julie Kelly, who knew what when and who is responsible in the government for this? Well, Steve, that's what we need to find out, right? So there were FBI agents who testified under oath that this wasn't a few rogue agents out of the Detroit FBI field office or Kalamazoo or wherever, that this operation required uh, approval at the highest level, including uh, FBI headquarters and including at Maine Justice. So who was in charge then? William Barr was, of course, the attorney general. John Demers was head of National Security Division for the Department of Justice, uh, an organization that is part of this Joint Terrorism Task Force. Uh, And of course, Christopher Wray was head of the FBI. There's no way, Steve, that they could be running informants and undercover agents at numerous field offices in the eastern half of the country, all the way from Baltimore down to Tennessee, up to Michigan and Wisconsin, No way with this six or seven month operation that included, as you talked about yesterday, drones, airplanes, surveillance equipment. Um, No way would this happen without the at least knowledge of Christopher Ray and Bill Barr, but also their authorization and approval. So this is what we have to know. What did Bill Barr know? What did John Demers know? What did Christopher Ray know? What did Stephen DeAntuo know? the head of the Detroit FBI field office, who was suddenly promoted in the middle of 2020 to take over the most powerful FBI field office in the country, which is in Washington, D.C., several weeks before January 6th. Also, what did Gretchen Whitmer know? Uh, She was in on it. Uh, We know this because the FBI testified that her vacation cottage, the scene of the crime, was under surveillance by pole camera and laser devices that were collecting information. So this is not just, this can't just be a one-off. It can't be forgotten. We need to know who knew what, who approved what, because this undoubtedly influenced the 2020 yeah. election. But, 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 but also, hang on. Also, it, it's it, the logistics is it's the whole East Coast of the United States. It's multiple field offices. Mm-hmm. It's all type of technology. Yeah, drones, airplanes. This thing is a massive operation, ladies and gentlemen. It's a massive operation. But also, they had to go get. Didn't they have to get warrants because they had to start looking at phone records or anything like that? My point is. They're in the courts at the same time they run this logistics operation. This was had to be approved at the highest level, did it not, ma'am? It absolutely did. You have FBI agents who have testified under oath that it did. So we need to find that out. Um, look, and what you were saying earlier, Christopher Ray issued a report in 2019 saying that white supremacist domestic terrorists pose the greatest threat to the homeland. He specifically said... These are extremists who are plotting to kidnap and assassinate elected officials. Three years later, the only people that we have proof of who wanted to kidnap and assassinate political leaders are people in the FBI. 
So this is not just a political operation, it's a narrative operation to do exactly what you just said. Go after parents at school board meetings, surveil everyone, sur surveil social media posts. We know now that Facebook was in on this operation too. We have testimonies, someone flagged me the other day, Mark Zuckerberg bragged in October of 2020, how he helped, uh, Facebook helped thwart this imaginary kidnapping plan. Well, that's not it. What Facebook was doing was helping the government create these groups by prompting algorithms of somebody put in Stop the Steal or they put in Second Amendment rights or they put in lockdown rallies. It instantly prompted, at least in this case, the main informant to look at this Wolverine Watchmen militia group that was only a Facebook page. So that is how these all of these interests, same interests that stole the 2020 election, are also helping create these fake domestic terrorists and entrap innocent men in the process. These these are all marginal folks, right? I mean, they're 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 kind of sad sacks, and this is mm -hmm. what they did. They and the FBI and the Justice Department organized this. Let me go back in time about that. But remember, they're trying to use this show trial and doing this to intimidate you and to make you stay home and to make you cower. It's not just the school boards, which they came out and they said they had the memos internally. The, the, the secretary of education sent it out and said, hey, we need to get these these domestic these uh, parents coming to school boards are domestic terrorists. We need FBI. And they were going to do it in the Justice Department until they were outed by a whistleblower. Mm -hmm. Also, remember, at the very beginning, at the very beginning of the forensic audit in in uh, in uh, Arizona. On May 5th, 2021, if memory serves me correctly, they sent a letter, right? One, one of the impeachment witnesses that's now an assistant uh, 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 attorney general, she sent a letter out to Arizona to inform them that anybody that was involved in a canvas, and Peter Navarro already said it's the canvas, not the count, anybody involved in a canvas could be open for criminal charges. They're trying to use lawfare to scare you, and we're not going to be scared. You should be scared. Save your receipts. Read Julie Kelly's piece today. When we take pay, uh, power in November, mm -hmm. this is another whole avenue. This is away from the impeachment of, of Biden. This is a whole other avenue to go after Garland, and we're going after Garland, and we're going after Christopher Wray. And guess what? We're going to go after Bill Barr. Bill Barr is up to his neck in this thing. Okay? I didn't see big chapters in his book. I didn't see big chapters and Walter Mitty, this guy's such a clown. He's Walter Mitty, like he's the hero. He's the superhero that walks in. This guy is a dangerous Bush clown. And they've got to save, they should preserve their documents. Because Christopher Ray and Barr, this goes all the way up. The fish rots from the head on this. Remember, this just wasn't some sort of guy's talking about kidnapping. There was going to be a kidnapping, an assassination, something to do with the weapon of mass destruction. They were going to storm the Capitol and take over the Capitol. This was basically to seize Michigan, right? And they dropped it. And for 72 hours, Rachel Maddow, who now has semi-retired, she's only once a week, right? You think that's that's not a coincidence? She don't want any part of this, right? She wants to go make the new West Wing or whatever. They don't want any part of this route. Yet 72 straight hours, Gretchen Whitmer, who was on the short, she's the cover bid for Kamala Harris, get the big crocodile tears coming down. Oh, they were going to mm -hmm. assassinate me. It's mm -hmm. all, it's beyond performative. This was all very, here's the thing that you point out so well with your Pulitzer Prize uh, quality reporting, Julie Kelly, that this was highly thought through with huge amounts mm -hmm. of resources, but huge amounts of coordination, Julie Kelly. That's right. And Steve, don't forget, there was another plot 
that was thwarted, allegedly thwarted, that these same FBI handlers and informant were trying to entrap another man in Virginia to pretend that he was going to kidnap and assassinate Ralph Northam. So that plan sort of went sideways. But these were two of the plots, two of the schemes that this FBI was putting together. Of course, Donald Trump's one of his biggest political foes in 2020, Gretchen Whitmer, another man, Ralph Northam, um, who so this was what they were concocting to support this narrative to interfere in the election. But this has real damaging consequences. To your point, it's destroyed the lives of innocent men. We still have two men who are in prison, have been there for more than a year and a half, while this Justice Department considers retrying them on a case that they just completely face-planted on. It's a humiliation. It is an embarrassment. And they want to keep this going, try to somehow convict these two men, even though the jury in the Whitmer case rejected every single argument that they made, not a single conviction. But they want to try to continue to prosecute these men, even though the jury didn't have all the evidence. The judge who did a great job, nonetheless, favored the government numerous uh, times and did not let them see hundreds of text communications between their handlers and their informants that showed how deeply the FBI orchestrated every single move, not only of this plot, but tried to organize the plot against Ralph Northam. The jury never saw the text between Jason Chambers, uh, the, one of the FBI's lead handlers, and Dan Chappell, the main informant, that said, mission today specifically to kill the governor. That wasn't about Whitmer. That was about Ralph Northam. We could have had two dueling kidnapping assassination plots. Not really sure. They probably couldn't manage it because they're not the brightest people in the world, uh, everyone who orchestrated this. Oh, but the jury FBI. didn't even see okay. that. Unbelievable. Okay. Can you hang on for one second? We'll take a short break. We are going to go to the Vatican, but I got to ask you about what this means about 6 January. We don't know anything about 6 January. What, what uh, Dick Cheney and Drag and uh, Benny Thompson, those guys, that's all marginalia. We want to get to the bottom of what the FBI and DOJ and DHS and others, the Fed surrection. Okay. You saw in Michigan, we now need to find out about Washington, D.C. All next in the war room. Write that one down. We ain't seen nothing yet. You watch what's going to happen because of this, uh, because of the globalist and this incompetent, uh, illegitimate regime, what they're doing to our country. We're fighting back and victory begets victory. We're winning and we're going to have a massive win, but we got to put our shoulders to, to the wheel. And then we got to make tough calls, hard decisions after we take power. Julie Kelly, uh, Michigan's Michigan, but it's inextricably linked to 6 January, and this is what's so upsetting, that right now we haven't seen anything about the government's involvement, the FBI involvement, DHS involvement. New York Times has said, hey, there were government agents or informants in mm -hmm. these passing references where they're trying to, obviously, they're trying to run that up the flagpole, right? Uh, we call it Ben Smithing. Oh yeah, the New York Times talked about it a long time ago. Nothing to, talk, nothing to see there. What is, yeah. what is the FBI and the DOJ and DHS and other federal agencies' involvement in 6 January, as far as you can tell right now? Well, we're talking about the same people, Bill Barr, John Demers, Christopher Ray, Stephen D'Antuono, who are running the Whitmer, Ralph Northam operations, but we're supposed to believe they had nothing to do with January 6th, completely separate, even though we know we were, they were running informants. They were actually creating imaginary militia groups 
that then they were infiltrating, that you had informants creating encrypted group chats, directly giving passwords to the FBI so they could surveil what was happening in these encrypted group chats. Same MO as January 6th. It involves storming the Capitol, the Lansing Capitol, in the spring of 2020, where suddenly the Michigan State Police who were guarding the Capitol stood by and let protesters into the building, including men who had organized to wear militia, uh, uh, uniforms to carry guns, to scream for Gretchen Whitmer, to hang Gretchen Whitmer. This was all a dress rehearsal for January 6th. We have the same people in charge who would have been in charge on January 6th. Steve, you mean to tell me the one person that Cash Patel, who was the uh, chief of staff to the acting uh, uh, secretary of defense, the only person they couldn't reach on January 5th and 6th was Christopher Ray. We're supposed to believe that acting attorney general, Jeffrey Rosen, who stepped in after Bill Barr left, that just by coincidence, he had hundreds of special FBI agents and uh, hostage rescue team stationed at Quantico the weekend before January 6th. What were they, what were they doing there? Because they were afraid of some threat. That's what we're told later. What's funny, he never said that under testimony. What were these special elite forces doing at Quantico? Were they practicing what was going to happen on January 6th? Jeffrey Rosen said, oh, well, after I saw what was happening on TV, I deployed all these forces to the Capitol. Well, that's not what Newsweek, who reported this bombshell, said. They said these forces were deployed, these agents were deployed to Capitol grounds early on January 6th. Well, what were they doing, Steve? I've seen all sorts of videos and photographs on January 6th. I don't see people walking around in big FBI jackets. I don't see any FBI agents trying to stop the crowd. We still can't even get Jill Sanborn, the head of counterterrorism uh, for the FBI, who was asked under oath if FBI agents or informants incited or were involved in every, any violence on January 6th. She couldn't answer the question. And we still have no clarification four months later after her testimony. And furthermore, Steve, I'll say this in conclusion, the FBI still has not uploaded hundreds of thousands of pages of FBI records, pages, related to January 6th, still have not uploaded it to the shareable platform so defense attorneys who are defending January 6th clients can have access to these records. People are already pleading guilty. They're already going on trial. But yet the FBI still doesn't have all their records, all, all of their documents in place, so defendants can see exactly what's going on. All of this stinks stinks to high heaven. And this is a big thing of what we have to find out. The relationship between Whitmer and January 6th. The people who downplay it or ignore it uh, are fooling themselves. And we have to keep exposing it. Uh, Julie Kelly, amazing work. Uh, you're at American Greatness. Your articles go up other places too. Put, uh, how do people get to you? How do they get to all your amazing reporting on this? And how do they get to your book? Thanks, Steve. So my book on January 6th, it gives all the background about uh, how we got to this point, really. It's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, other outlets. It's just January 6th. Look up Julie Kelly. All my work reporting can be found at amgreatness.com. I'm on Getter, Julie underscore Kelly, and I'm at uh, Twitter, Julie underscore Kelly, too, where I live tweet some of the trials that are going on with January 6th as well. Everybody's got to get on her, get her feed uh, and, and follow her. She is nonstop. And I tell you, your work, and it's only going to get more important. The 6th January thing, we're going to get to the bottom of it, the real bottom of it, okay? Mm -hmm. See exactly what happened. And now, and then figure out how these guys are kept as political prisoners, like they kept these poor uh, 
working class right. folks in Michigan. They're, they're going after the weakest to try to break them, to try to make this case about domestic terrorism. It's all crap. Okay. What the FBI and the DOJ ought to be doing is looking at what's going on in New York City today. Innocent people gunned down trying to go to work. Okay. That's the anarchy and chaos of these progressive Democrats. Anarchy and chaos. Anarchy and chaos. And we're going to put an end to it. Okay. We're going to blow you guys out in November and then be gone. Don't want to hear about it anymore. Except for being held accountable, Bill Barr. And Chris Ray. Chris Ray's a disgrace. This is another Christie guy. This is what happens when you allow Chris Christie to make recommendations. Julie Kelly, thank you. Honored to have you on, ma'am. Keep fighting. All right. Thank you so much, Steve.